thankful for the grace of Almighty God. Where would we be if it wasn't for His grace and mercy in our lives? Amen. Let's just go to Him in prayer. Father, Lord, we're truly thankful today. Coming through this Thanksgiving season, Lord, just taking moments to remember all the things that you've done for us, your grace and mercy that's evident, Lord, among us, how you moved and touched our lives. Lord, sometimes even when we wasn't aware, you was there, Lord, all the time. Lord, how we thank you for that. Lord, in our moments of depression, in our moments of anxiety, in our moments of sickness, whatever moment we found ourselves in, you was there every moment. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, today we ask, Father, that you would help us, Lord, by your anointing, Lord, to speak these words, Father, you've laid upon our heart. We ask, Lord, you minister, Father, to the needs of your people. We ask, Lord, that you would come and show yourself evident among us, Lord. The evidence of your Holy Spirit moving among us, Father, and touching hearts and lives. Because, Lord, we know there are signs and wonders. There are evidence, Lord, that's left behind of the supernatural when the supernatural comes around, Father. And that's what we're looking for this morning. We love you, Father, and appreciate you. And thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to Exodus chapter 23. Also John chapter 16, if you would. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go. How many, how many glad people do we have here this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. I'd like to speak to you again on the light, the light, the guide. Amen. I believe he is our guide. Thank, I'm thankful for that guide. Amen. Exodus chapter 23 and verse 20, and I'll be honest with you, it's hard to read this one verse without shouting. Amen. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Amen. Amen. To keep thee, to bring thee to a prepared place. John chapter 16 and verse 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, that if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because of the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall speak, and he shall show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall, re- he shall receive a mine and shall show it unto you. Amen. We let you be seated today. <clears throat> said, I'd like to speak to you on the light, the guide. A guide is someone that you get, you know, when you go to a place that's unfamiliar and you don't know exactly what road you might want to take or, 
or what things you want to see, or, or maybe you want to go on a special fishing trip or a hunt, you find somebody who, who's been there before, amen, who's there to, that's to guide you, someone to show you around, amen, you have to have a guide when you don't know where you're going. And you know, I, I was thinking about this when here a few years ago, me and Sister Ruth and Brother Danny and Sister Michelle Steeman, amen, took a trip over to Europe, preached a youth meeting there, and then would go from there to spend a few days in Paris. And Paris is a very big city. It's, uh, it's almost uh, undescribable how, how um, massive it is and how far-reaching it is. And an airplane seems like you can fly over it for a long time. And you look down, you see all these things and all these buildings, and then you get down there, there's many streets that leads many directions, there's many things down there that you would like to see, but you don't necessarily know how to go about it, and you don't know the language, you don't know the signs, you don't know, amen, because you're not from there, you've never been there. And so, you know, we, what we did, we found a, a guide that was a sister in Brother David Mayer's church, had been to Paris many times, and she knew the area, she spoke the language, and so it was very easy with, for her to go down and to decide, okay, we want to go here, so we're going to take this street, we're going to take this bus, we're going to take this, whatever we would have to take to get there, she knew exactly the way that we would go. And it made it very, very easy for us and saved us a lot of trouble and saved us a lot of heartache. Amen. Even though there was things that were not working uh, specifically uh, right in that time because there was strikes going on and, and the underground stuff that was supposed to be easier was not available, but she was able to navigate around all of that and get us to the place that we wanted to go. And I'm thankful today that we have a God. We, you know, we've never been here, but he's already been here. He's already been through whatever we're going through and whatever situation that we find ourselves. So, amen, things may not be working right. Things may seem to be going against what we think or how we think, but he's able to navigate it all. He's able to go around it. He's able to move through it. He's able to move above it. He's a God, amen. And I'm thankful for that God today. A God has to know the way. He has to know what he's doing. He has to know where he's going. He has to know how to take care of you along the road. Amen. He's, he's got to see that you don't become up lost. Hallelujah. This God, you know, is a selected man. If anything happens to you, it is his responsibility. Come on now. It is his responsibility. He's got to take care of you. He's got to see that you not get lost. He's got to see that you make it to your destination. And I'm thankful that I have a guide that I can rely on. It's not a GPS system that'll, that'll lead you down some back road somewhere and you realize, where am I at? Why am I doing here? Or some man that maybe, maybe thought he knew a direction but didn't realize a bridge was out or didn't realize this was going on or didn't realize that this God knows all about it. He knows every pothole. He knows every ditch. He knows every struggle. He knows every trouble. He knows how to navigate above and beyond it all. Amen. There's nothing that he cannot go through or get around. So if you get lost, he knows exactly how to get you out. Amen. If you find yourself in a lost situation, he knows exactly how to save you. There's nobody too lost. There's nobody too far that this God cannot go to where they're at and bring them out and bring them back to safety. Amen. It's his responsibility to find every one of his that are lost, every one of his that are broke down, every one of his that are having issues and trouble. He is a God and he will make sure they make it safely through. Amen. You, you cannot be a God unless 
us, you go through certain tests or you go through certain things. Amen. If you want to be a guide to uh, go out into the wilderness, you just can't decide that. You got to go through training. You got to go through testing. You got to go through things of life. Amen. There's a brother actually, Brother David Mayer's church, who's a guide to go up into the Alps and to take you hiking up there if that's what you desire to do. And you can go up there and he can take you through every trail. He knows the markings. He knows the way. Amen. He's taken thousands maybe up through there. And he's, as far as I know, he's never lost to one. He's a good guide. That's what you want when you're going through difficulties of life. You want a good guide. You don't want just any guide. You want the best guide. Amen. If you get out in the wilderness and there's dangers around you and there's grizzly bears and there's this, that, and the other, you want somebody that knows what they're doing. You want somebody that can hear things, that can see things, that can and look at things and say, no, we don't need to go that way. There's some danger down there. We don't want to go that way. There's Let's go this way. You want a God who knows exactly what he's doing. And I thank God the church of the living God has a God that knows exactly the dangers that are down this road or down that road. And he knows exactly how to direct every person to their destination for it is his responsibility to get them there. It's not my responsibility. It's his responsibility. It's not your responsibility. It's his responsibility. And he's more than capable of getting this bride through the darkest of ages into a rapture. Hallelujah. He's a God, regardless of the weather, regardless of the climate, regardless of the problems, regardless if there's clouds or no clouds, regardless if there's storms or no storms, he will get us through. Amen. The God knows how to look at certain things. He knows how to, how to see. Brother Brown said there's tricks to a good God. He can see stars. He can watch the stars. And, and there's the North Stars. We know as it stands there in a certain place, in a certain position, it's standing there as a testimony of Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it remains the same. It's never changing. But just say there's some clouds over those stars, and you can't see them. Amen. If he's a real God, he can go to something else. He can look at the moss on a certain side of a tree. He can, he can touch certain things. Maybe, maybe the wind's blowing so hard and it's so dark he can't see the moss, but he can put his hands on a, on a tree and he can feel the bark and he can tell you if it's north or if it's south. Amen, because he has been trained in those matters. Glory to God. I'm thankful we serve a God who's trained in these matters. In the matters, what matters to humanity, he is trained. What matters to you, he is trained. What matters to the church of the living God, he is trained. Amen. You can feel it. Maybe I don't, it don't feel no difference. That don't matter to him. He can feel it and say it's already done. Come on now. He can feel it and say it's over with. It's finished. Amen. It's done. You, you may not feel no different. You can feel on it all you want to and not feel no different. But this guy is sensitive to know that his word will be fulfilled. His word will not fall aside to the wayside and become void and unfulfilled. But it will be fulfilled. So it doesn't matter if you can feel it or not. It matters if he knows it or not. And he knows that his word will be fulfilled. Feel. <clears throat> you ever see a man that's lost, a man that gets real lost out in the woods? It can be a very pitiful thing. They can actually, what they call going an Indian death march and just go around in circles thinking they're going the right direction. 
Amen. If it gets lost, many times they'll lose their minds and they'll, they, they, they'll actually forget who they are and all kind of, it can get very, very difficult because panic sets in and anxiety takes over and fear and it dulls the senses to where they can't tell directions no more and they'll just circle around the same old place and the same old place. Why? Because they're lost. Amen. And they'll go around the same old places of, of what used to be and what used to be and what used to be, not realizing they're on an Indian death march. Amen. But if it's a guide, guide there, he can say, no, you're going around in a circle. What you need to do is change direction. What you need to do is go down this path. Amen. Straight is the way and narrow is the gate. And few there be that find it. But I'm a guide and I'm going to be here to make sure you make it. Amen. Brother Brandon will say, you don't need a guide to go down the Broadway. It's an easy way. Anybody can find that way. But to find the straight and narrow path, you're going to need a guide. You're going to need a light to guide you. You're going to need a light to bring you. You're going to need a light to keep you. You're going to need a light. Maybe the devil has prepared something for you and he's prepared, amen, destruction for you and he's prepared hell for you and he's prepared this for you and that for you. But God has a prepared place. Hallelujah. And his preparation goes beyond and supersedes anything the devil ever had for you. The devil may have you on an Indian death march and you're going around in a circle, but there's a light here this morning that'll tap you on the shoulder and say, boy, go this way. I have a place prepared for you. And there's a light that can come and guide you through the darkest of times. The God has understanding of which way to go and what to do in every moment. Amen. He sent to God God's people. God has never failed, so he sends a God. But you have to accept that God. Now, what would it have been if I'd have been in Paris and this sister who speaks the language and she reads the signs and, and she says, now we need to go down this way. And I say, no, I think it's better to go this way. Well, I can tell you anybody in that group that followed me was a bunch of dummies. Because I, I don't know nothing about Paris. You get me out in J.O. Pruitt, I can take you down some roads. Cleveland Parish, I can take you down a lot of roads. Maybe around some of the surrounding parishes, maybe a few more roads. But you get me in some of those places, maybe I wouldn't know where to go one way to find anything. But she had been there. She had read the signs before. She had been down this. She had taken others this direction. Amen. She had led others down this way and she had brought them safely to their destination. Now, I'm not talking about a woman this morning. That's not the God I'm trying to get you to follow. The God I'm trying to get you to follow is the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about a man today. That's not our God. The God is the Holy Ghost. And he has led others this way. He has brought others safely this way. You think you're the only one that's ever been through sickness and the God got you that not is going to leave you? No, he's brought others through cancer. He's brought others through every disease. He's brought others through depression. He's brought them all down through there and he got them safely to their destination. Glory to God. And if he brought others, he'll bring you. Hallelujah. But you must trust the God. He'll lead down ways that don't seem right. But you must trust him. You must remember who he is, that he's been this way before. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I will not leave you 
But I'll pray to the Father and he'll send you a comforter. And this comforter, when he comes, he was to guide us to all truth. The word of God is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. He's the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Then if we follow the true, real God, the Holy Spirit, he will tell us what he sees. He'll tell us what he's heard. He'll show us things that are to come. Hallelujah. He'll show us things that are to come. There you are. He's going to show you things to come. And when the church today rejects that, how are they ever going to expect to get to heaven? When the Holy Spirit was sent for a guide, we'll take some cardinal, some bishop, some general overseer, something like that to guide us. When the Holy Spirit was given to us to guide, we said, well, praise God. I got the Holy Spirit. I don't need the church. I don't need to go to church no more. I got the Holy Ghost. Well, you not to come to church shows you you don't got it. Because the word, the spirit never divide, never, never uh, denies the word. It's the word. Well, I'm following the guide. You're not following this guide. No, sir. You, well, I, I tell you what, I got, enough, I got enough Holy Ghost. I don't have to go to church anymore. Well, you've got the wrong God. You're on your way to a crash. Amen. You're on your way to destruction. You've tricked yourself. You're walking in a death circle. Amen. But there is a God who can lead you out of that. Hey, you say, well, I got hurt feelings. Well, you think that God ain't ever de- dealt with that before and helped somebody else through hurt feelings? He knows how to direct the path. He knows how to move you past the hurts and, and past the difficulties and past the problems and past the situation. But the problem is you don't trust the God. You trust yourself more. Dare anybody to try to substitute anything other than the guide. If you do, you'll go off the line. The guide knows the way. He knows every inch of the way. Oh, man, we can rejoice right there. Whatever inch you're on today. Whatever little inch you're on right now. Whatever little dot on the map you're on. He knows the way. Whether you're on a little dot of sickness today, he knows the way through that sickness. If you're on a little dot of torment today, he knows the way through that torment. If you're on a little dot of of a hurt or a bruise, he knows the way through that. Trust the God. If you're on a little dot of called death, he can push you through that. If you lost loved ones, he knows how to, you're not the only one. He'll bring you through just like he brought everybody else through. He knows every thought in your heart. He knows everybody that's here. He knows what you are, who you are, what you've done, all about you. He's God's guide, the Holy Spirit, and he will reveal things and tell you that he's heard and can repeat your words right back to you and say what you said. 
<laughs> he said, well, that only happened to Brother Branham's day. No, it didn't. The word is still the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Brother Branham was not the guide. The guide's still here. Hallelujah. Amen. The God used him, but he was not the God. The God is still here. The correct God. He will guide you to all truth, and his word is the truth. When Israel left Egypt for the promised land in Exodus 13, 21, God knew the very road they were going to travel before they ever took a step. They didn't know, but the God knew. They didn't know they was about to go to their very first test right off the bat and they was gonna be brought right to a place so it looked like a trap and it looked impossible. They didn't know that, but the God knew that. The God was not lost when he took them and he said, I'm gonna take them and I'm gonna make them go this way and that way. So Pharaoh will say they are entangled in the wilderness. Amen. The God was taking them a certain way for a certain time or for a certain thing. So Pharaoh would come to that place where he would think, wow, they're trapped. Let's go get them. Let's go take them. So he would come and he would unleash his force. Why did he come? Because the God brought him there. Come on now. He didn't come just because he thought it was a good idea. He came because the God tricked him into coming. He brought him there not for, amen, the destruction of Israel, but for his destruction. He said, because I'm going to have my way. My final victory over them is going to be right here. And in, the, and in the very beginning of time, the God was already working on his path when he put a mountain in a certain place and a sea in a certain place and a desert in a certain place. And he said, look at here. This looks like a good place for a trap. I'm going to bring them right down through here. I'm already rejoicing because my people is going to come right here and I can see it already. Amen. I can see the chariot wheels coming off. I can see Pharaoh die. His army died. I can see it all taking place. Hey man, Pharaoh got up that morning. He said, Where send me, send me a, somebody tell me what's going on out there. They made it, yeah. Well, they took a wrong path, looks like. I can show you by our great abilities that we have and the science that we got that they have went the wrong direction. They have went the opposite way and they have walked around. Look here. I can show, look at, they, look, look at that trail they've taken. It looks impossible. It looks, why, why, what is going on? They are lost. Because Israel, where they say their promised land is, ha, 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 is up here and they went the wrong direction. They have went the wrong path, and, and they, but they, they, they don't even know what they're doing. Moses, I thought he learned more than that in Egypt. I thought he learned how to tell directions. I thought we taught him the stars, and I thought we taught him all about how to direct an army and how to direct people, but look at him. He's lost as a goose. Let's go get him. And he brings them out there, and he gets all of his army together, and he's riding towards, amen. He says, I know a shortcut. We'll get there before they can ever get enough boats to get across that water. We'll get there before they can ever build a bridge. And he gets there, and all of a sudden, as he's coming up, he sees this mass of people. Before he can get there, he sees this light that's whirling. And I'm sure about this, like, what is that? 
And he comes and he stands between him and the Israelites. Who was that? That was the guide. That was the pillar of fire to guide them to the promised land. Amen. The children of Israel followed that guide. A cloud by day and a fire by night. It stopped. They stopped. It moved. They moved. It journeyed. They journeyed. If it stayed for three days, they stayed for three days. It was the guide. Moses was not the guide. The guide was that light. <laughs> well, what do you mean? Moses, you brought us out here to die. Well, they're not in graves in Egypt. I'm sure it was probably more to it than that. Moses! <laughs> it's been almost, it's been what? Almost 60 years since the prophet died. Why are we still here? Because the God's still here. When the God moves, we're going to move. <laughs> the God has only arranged all of this so that all the enemy could flood into this place. And he's allowed the river of Euphrates to be opened up. The who has allowed it? The God has allowed it. Not the devil, the God. He has allowed them to come to this place. Why? For their destruction. He has not brought you to 2022 to die in a, in a wallow and die in your grief and your agony. He's brought you here for one moment. I want you to understand the Red Sea is not a place of agony. The Red Sea is not a place of crying and moaning. The Red Sea is a place of victory. Hallelujah. And I want you to understand whatever it's your own this morning is not a place for agony. It's not a place for grief. It's not a place for you to get down in the doldrums. You need to realize this inch that I'm on, he's only with me. And as long as he's here, I'm still moving and I'm still breathing and I'm still living. This inch is a place of victory. You need to declare that this morning. This inch that I'm on is a place of victory. Moses couldn't do this, even with all of his learning that he had. He couldn't provide all that was needed, he needed a guide. Moses and his people, Brother Andrew Spencer sent me this this morning. I said, hallelujah, and I copied it and I pasted it. Moses and the people were in the desert. What was he going to do with two million people in a desert? That's more than an inch. They had to be fed. Feeding two or whatever, two to three million people requires a whole lot of food. Let's just hear what our guide can do. According to the quartermaster general in the army, it is reported that Moses would have to have 1,500 tons of food each day just to satisfy their appetite. Moses is going to better supply that? No, no. Do you know that to bring that much food in each day, Two freight tra trains at least a mile long would be required. 
Besides, you must remember they were in a desert. So they would have to have firewood to cook the food. So it would take 4,000 tons of wood and a few more freight trains, each a mile long, just for one day. And just think, there were 40 years in transit. Oh, yes, they would have to have water. And they only had enough, just to have enough water to drink and maybe wash a few dishes. It would take 11 million gallons of water a day. And a freight train with tank cars, 1,800 miles long to bring enough water for one day. And then another thing, they had to get across this Red Sea. Now, if they went on a narrow path, double file, the line would be 800 miles long and it would require 35 days and nights to get through it. So there had to be a space in the Red Sea three miles wide so they could walk 5,000 abreast to get over in one night. But then there's another problem. Each time they camped at the end of the day, a campground, two-thirds the size of the state of Rhode Island, was required and a total of 750 square miles long. This much space for camping. Do you think Moses figured all that out before he left Egypt? You see, Moses believed in his God. <laughs> and God took care of all of that. Moses wasn't fretting about the firewood. None of it. He had, all he had to do was call unto his God, and God would provide it. Now, do you think God has any problem taking care of all your needs? Come on, somebody. Our God is an awesome God. So when the road you're traveling seems difficult at best, just remember, trust the God. He will do the rest. Can you trust the God this morning? If he can provide enough water and enough firewood and enough food, amen, to two million people, don't you think he's got enough power for your little inch? Let's add all the inches up in here. Do you think he's got enough power? Let's give you a square foot. The fire marshal says that each person is required, I believe it was, what was it, three square foot a person or five? Somewhere right in there, so I'll give you that much. I believe God's got enough of it. We just read about what he did. So if he was able to get them through to their destination, the guy, this guy that I'm talking about, this pillar of fire, that, has, that by the way, has never left the church. He is still here. He said, well, I don't know about that. I haven't seen him. Well, don't worry about it. Just believe him. That's all he requires. Do you know he does not require that you see him? He requires that you believe him. Oh, it'd be wonderful to be able to see him. One day, I'm going to be able to see him face to face. But what he's looking for is somebody to believe him. Oh, it's easy to believe a God when you're in an air-conditioned car and you're riding down a highway and you, you got it all figured out. But when you get on foot, 
and you're in an unfamiliar city, and there's all kind of dangers around. Let me just be honest with you. We went through some sketchy-looking places. I know you teenagers know that word. That's sketch. I hear it all the time. That's sketchy. Well, it was sketchy. There was people laying in tents. There were, Lord Jesus, there was human feces all over the wall. You say, I can't wait to go to Paris. Well, let me tell you some of the dirty things. It, it may look all good from up above, and pictures may make it look all great, but you get down with your boots on in the city, you realize, wow, place is filthy, place is nasty, this place is unbelievable. Can we make it through? Well, the guide said, we're going this way. So you know what I did? I followed the guide. Because I felt like if I got off on any place more, any other place, it might be more sketchy. And I didn't want more sketchy. I wanted to get to where we was going. Amen. It was a church that was on a hill that you can climb 300-something steps up, and you can see a beautiful view of Paris. And it was nice, and it was wonderful. And I was glad I made it, and I was glad I made it back to my room. But why? Because I was following the guide. Amen. Laodicea, it looks all beautiful. Looks all great in the pictures. It looks wonderful. But sometimes you get your boots on the ground. And you start going through some very difficult places. And it seems so dirty and so filthy. And am I going to make it through? And the devil's there halting at you and camping out and making fun and saying this. And you don't know what all he's saying. He's making all kind of noises. And he's making all kinds. Might be threats, may not be threats. I don't know. And it's going out and it's going in this and saying this. But if you'll just keep following the light. If you'll just keep following the guy, he's going to bring you safely through. He's already done it before. Nature needs God. Science calls it an instinct, but it's truly a guide. It's the guide that placed that there so they can find their way in places. You know, Brother Bram talks about this. He said, have you noticed the wild geese or the ducks going south? You remember that little old duck was born under, up yonder on a pond somewhere? He don't know east, north, west, or south. He knows nothing but what the pond he was born in. He'd never been off the pond, but inside of him was something that was moving. He was a born leader. He was born to be a leader. The first thing you know, one night, a big snow comes across the top of the mountains. What happened? That cold breeze comes off of those mountains, begin to blow across that, that, that little pond. And Mammy, what does this mean? Is he shivering? I never felt that cold weather before. But he began to notice around the edges of the pond, things were freezing up. Just ain't quite as many amens no more. Not quite as many shouting going on no more. There's a cold breeze that's blowing through. It's called Laodicea. The flu of Laodicea. I know a lot of us have been sick with the flu and been dealing with it. Listen, there's a whole lot worse flu than what you've been dealing with in the last week. There's recovery with that. There's medications that you can take or there's whatever. God can move and I've seen him move very supernaturally and change things. God can do whatever he wants to, but there's a worse flu than this flu that's going around. It's the flu of Laodicea. And it's infiltrating homes and churches and lives and things are getting froze up. 
But if that little duck has an instinct put in there by God, he'll realize, listen, things are getting a little tough around here and I, can't, I don't have as much room to swim anymore. Come on now. I don't have enough room anymore to just worship God and to give God all the praise and all the glory. Amen. Because that flu has been, amen, has been freezing up the bank edges and it's coming closer and it's coming closer and I'm not going to stay here until I become one of the frozen chosen. No, something begins to honk on the inside of him. This is the prophet of God. He starts jumping up in the middle of the pond. Something strikes him. You can call it what you want to. I call it inspiration. You can call it holy roller. You can call it work up. You can call it emotion. He said, I call it inspiration. It's down on the inside of him. He starts jumping up and flapping those wings in the middle of that pond. The water's being trouble. That's exactly right, brother. Here. He's troubling the water, and things are beginning to move, and something out of him again. Amen. 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 Honk, honk, honk. What is it? The God put it down there. <laughs> He'll honk and honk and honk to every duck that's destinated, predestinated to life will gather around him. And then pretty soon he'll honk and he'll swing those wings and out of that pond he's going to go. Hallelujah. Let's bring it to more. Amen. Not just about a church. Let's bring it to a universal bride. Amen. Listen, Laodicea is trying to freeze the edges trying to freeze up our worship, freeze up the things of God, freeze up the movement of the Spirit, freeze up the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, freeze it all up. The world is doing that. If you're you're part of it, then you're part of the world because that's where it's coming from. It's the anointing of Satan that's trying to freeze up the waters of God. Amen, but what is it going to do? It's going to cause some to gather in the middle and they're going to begin to rally around the word of God and the anointing of God and the shouts of God and the shout of the king that's in the camp and the fire of God that's burning above them and they're going to start flapping those wings. Amen, they're going to start moving on that instant. Inspiration. When that Holy Ghost moves through, they're going to move with it. And pretty soon that air is going to blow hard enough. It's going to lift them up into a body change. If he done it before, he can do it again. Well, how do you know he's done it before? Well, I got a Bible that Enoch walked with God and was not. Maybe he couldn't get no more ducks to go with him, but he went. Why? Because there was something in him wanting more. Such a jubilee they'll have right in the middle of that pond, turning it over and over and over. And after a while, he feels it moving on him. He's got to leave. He'll set those little wings down and fly off that pond and go and turn up in the air about four or five times and go straight to Louisiana as he can. Every duck right behind him, honk, 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 honk. Here he comes. What was it? The duck knows their guide. And if a dumb duck can follow a guide, how come we can't follow him? If a duck can follow and trust him to lead him to places he's never been before, amen, to an area he's never been before, all he's ever known is up there, but something on the inside of him. 
then why can't we trust him? In sickness, why can't we trust him? We can. Brother Ram talks about in a magazine called Look. There was an old gander one time. He said an old gander didn't know what he was doing. And he led a bunch of geese all the way over to England. They they had never been to England before. But they didn't pay attention to their guide. He said the old gander didn't know what he was, where he was going. And now they're over there and they can't get back. That's what's the matter with a whole lot of these geese today. Oh, they still swarm. These geese swarm and fly over England, but they never, don't know how to get back to where they belong. He said you can swarm. You can have big, great, protractive meetings and have revivalists come along, preach a while, but you don't know where you're going, swarming around and around because you got some gander to lead you off to a denominational spree and not back to the Word of God, not back to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we wonder why we ain't got revival in our days. You got that, you got to get that certain sound. That sound is the gospel trumpet breathing out the gospel, every word of God, not creed, not denomination, but the Bible, the Holy Spirit, the signs following them that believe. There's another, he said, another old gander got a bunch of them killed trying to fly through the darkness, hit up against a mountain, burst them into pieces. You got to find somebody, something that's a certain sound. And that certain sound lines up with this word. Hallelujah. Don't line up with old formalities and creeds and dogmas. It lines up. It's glorious, he said. It lines up with the wonderful baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It brings virtue, knowledge, patience, godliness, and the Holy Spirit. That's what the real God will lead you to because he'll breathe out nothing but the gospel. Just the word of God. You need a guide. Brother Brown will say like he said, I'm 53 years old. Been preaching the gospel here for 33 and a half years, and I've never seen it fail. How many can testify that? I've seen it tested seven times around the world, all kind of religions, everything else before, as many as a half a million at one time and never had it fail. I don't speak from some book. I speak from personal experience. And I know that God stands behind his word and he honors it every time. Now, if you have some kind of creed, you better watch out. But the Holy Spirit will back up the word of God. He is the word. He is the God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us my he said Paul was guided to say on Acts 2.38 repent every one of you and they've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin and then the God will take you on from there the God will take you on from there. That's the thing to do. First, repent of all your unbelief and you disbelieve, you disbelieve things. Repent and then be baptized and the God will take you from there. Amen. Hallelujah. It's the God is on duty from there on. My, Mark was led by the Holy Ghost to write Mark 16. John was led by the Holy Ghost and wrote Revelations. He was led by the God. 
He was led by the God to say, whatsoever, whosoever shall take one word out of it, add one word to it, the same shall be taken as part out of the book of life. We must have the God. He's been my God through life. He's guided me unto life. He is the one that led me to life. He is my life. Without him, I have no life. Without him, I want nothing else. He is my all in all. In the hours of my trouble, he stands by me. Yesterday, he blessed me. Today, he'll do the same. What can I expect? The same forever, bless his holy name. He promised it. He'll do it. He's my life. He's my God. He's my all in all. I've trusted him. I've had hard trials. I went through them. I trust him wherever I go, and I want you to do the same. If you go to woman, wash him, trust him, talking to somebody in the audience. If you go downtown, trust him. Wherever you're at, trust him. He's trustworthy. Hallelujah. And this God won't quit. You might go out to somewhere, wherever, and find you a guide, and he might quit you halfway through and leave you to your troubles. It might get too great for even him, a trained man. And he might decide he wants to preserve his life and leave. But this God won't quit. You say, well, I made a lot of trouble. I made a lot of trouble for him. This God won't quit. He won't give up. Let's turn to Nehemiah 9 and verse 12. Moreover, thou ledest in the day by the cloudy pillar, and in the night by a pillar of fire, to give them light in the way wherein they should go. Thou comest down also upon Mount Sinai and spakest unto them from the heaven and gavest them right judgments and true laws and good statutes and commandments and made known unto them thy holy Sabbath and commandest them precepts and statutes and law by the hand of Moses thy servant. Thou gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought forth water. Oh, now we see what the God's been doing. It wasn't Moses. It was him, the guy. Brought forth water out of the rock for their thirst and promised them that they should go in the promise into the possess the land which thou hast sworn to give them. But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks and hearkened not unto thy commandments and refused to obey. Neither were mindful of their wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks and their rebellion, appointed a captain and returned to their bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon. Hallelujah. Let's look at the nature of this God. Thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of good kindness, and forsook them not. Yea, when thou made them a molt, they had made them a molten calf, and said, This is thy God that brought thee out of Egypt, and it wrought great provocations. Yet thou in thy manifold mercies. Forsook them not in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud departed not for them by day and led them in the way. Neither the pillar of fire by night to show them the light. The way wherein they should go. He never left them. Though they left him. Though they tried to walk away. Though they built them another God and said this is the one that brought you out of Egypt. He wouldn't leave them. This God don't quit. You may be this morning suffering from some torment in your life because of where you quit the God. In agony, I left him. Don't worry, the God's still there. He won't leave. He has 
promised himself to you. And he doesn't break a promise. You might break promises. You may walk away from him. You may say things and do things. Walk away from him. But he won't walk away from you. He's always there. He's always been there. How many can testify of that? How many can say, listen, there ain't none of us better than anybody else in here. We all were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, coming to this world speaking lies. So you know what you were when you got here? A liar. You know what you were full of? Iniquities. Sin. Every kind of thing that held upon your life. But God, rich in mercy, came down and he found you in that pit where you was at. In that pit of despair, despondency. And it seemed like there wasn't no way you was ever going to get out. It was so dark and so deep and so slimy. You tried. You tried to claw your way out of drugs. You tried to claw your way out of drinking and smoking and every kind of other sin of life. You tried it all and you'd clawed and you'd clawed. And you found yourself sinking down and down and down and down and down. All of a sudden, though, you looked up out of the darkness of that pit and up there was a light. And it was whirling right over your square inch. <laughs> right over your little part where you was at. And when you was in your despondency and your despair, and it reached, and all of a sudden, out of that light, you saw an olive-complected hand. Reach down, and thank God you never got far enough that that hand couldn't reach down far enough. And it didn't call you sorry and lost and undeserving and I told you so and and you shouldn't have ever done this, you lousy person. No, it said, I'm here with grace and mercy. I'm here to reach down and pick you up. And it brought you out of that pit and it began to guide you and it began to lead you and it began to move in your life and it took things off of you that you tried so hard to get off of your life and you never could break free from it. You tried to quit this and you tried to quit that but all of a sudden that olive complected hand would reach over to grab that thing and just pluck it off. And just reach over there out of that dirty heart and grab that old root of lust and pick it off. Amen. It just kept walking with you and guiding you and leading you. Oh, God. And you would fall over here and the God would reach over and grab you and bring you back. And you would fall on this side of the ditch and that God would reach down and bring you back. Come on, somebody. I know I'm talking to somebody this morning. He never left you. You may have fallen away from him, but he has not fallen away from you. You may have walked away from him, but he has not walked away from you. His manifold mercies. Psalms 119 would say, and 105 would say, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And a light unto my path. Proverbs 4, 18 and 19 says, But the path of the just is as a shining light. I love this scripture right here. Is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto perfect day. Did I just, y'all reading something different? I, 
The path of the just is as a shining light. That gets dimmer. That goes out. That turns off. That shineth more and more. Why is it going to shine more and more? Because it's going to get darker. Listen, we're not going, we're not in an age that's full of light. We're in an age of darkness. Darkness is so covering this world to where their minds are just being totally, they're lost. So they become so lost, they forget who they are. And a man believes he's a woman. And a woman believes she's a man. Why? Because they're on an Indian death march. And they're going around in a circle. And they lift up the creation and begin to worship it more. Hey Amen. You can, you can, listen, you can kill a baby and you can kill a hundred babies. They don't care, but you kill one little egg of a bald eagle. How many people got up in arms when this Dr. Palmer killed a lion over there and in, in, I believe it was in Africa and he killed this lion that, you know, the media blew it up and they made all kinds of accusations and things. It got so bad. This Dr. Palmer was actually, I believe from Minnesota, if I remember right, or somewhere way up north. It got so bad that Dr. Palmer and Homer started getting death threats. He couldn't even hardly answer his phone no more. Because these people were so incensed that somebody would take a poor little lion's life. And I understand. We need conservation. I understand all of that. Amen. But we also need men, amen, that abide by conservation. It, It don't do no harm. It actually is helping things for hunters to be out there. I know the world don't like you to know that, but that's the truth. Amen. But they get so incensed and, and then, they can, then they're going to get so incensed because we dare try to take a right from them to kill the unborn that's in their own womb. What is wrong? They've been walking in darkness so long. And they're walking in darkness until they've gotten so confused. And they don't know what's right, what's wrong, what's this, what's that. They don't know what's, what colors is pink and what colors is blue, if you know what I mean. They don't know nothing about anything. They have completely lost all sense. Until where a man or a woman can declare them whatever they want to declare themselves, they can declare themselves to be a cat. They can declare themselves to identify themselves to be a dog. They can identify themselves of any animal, any type, anything, whatever they want to. If they want to be a wall, they can be a wall. What is going on? They are walking in darkness. So why is the light that we're walking in going to shine brighter and brighter? Because it's getting darker and darker. And this light is leading us somewhere. It's doing what it's doing on purpose. I want you to understand, we're in 2022 on purpose. Maybe not on my purpose or anybody else's purpose, but it must be on God's purpose. God has a purpose that we are still here. And he's not left us. We are not by ourselves. We are not alone. He's still leading. He's still guiding. He's still moving. He's still directing. He's still touching your life in the darkest of moments. All of a sudden you hear feel a hand bump you. 
And he moves you over just a step and take you down this way. And he bumps you and he moves you back another step. What is he doing? He's keeping you from destruction. Mm. But the way of the wicked, verse 19, is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Did you hear that? You ever been walking down a dark path? And if you, you know, I always said this, and I think I've said it from here. I've not ever been scared of the dark. You just get scared of the things in the dark. Yeah. Darkness, if it was just darkness, I'd be all right. But this is the stuff that's hiding in the darkness. And in the darkness, your mind can go nuts. We've been talking about it. But I'm talking about just actual, just darkness. Your mind can actually imagine things. How many of you woke up in the middle of the night and you left a coat hanging over somewhere and you're absolutely 100% that's a serial killer? I'm not talking about S or C-E-R-E-A-L killer. I'm talking about S-E-R-I-A-L killer. <laughs> serial killer. And he's got a knife or a gun. And he's been, I can, all of a sudden your mind can hear breathing. It can see movement. Because why? It's dark. And it looks like something is about to get me. And you start trying to put, like you're pulling the covers, it's going to do you any good. But somehow in our minds, in the darkness, covers just feel better. And we throw them covers over our head and we're just safe under our covers. We are never safe under our own covering. What's the first thing a person does in darkness? They start pulling up their covers. Something can happen and they get bumped around a little bit and they pull up their religious cover. They pull up this cover and they pull up that cover, trying to keep them in darkness. But what you need is light. Amen. If you turn on the light, you'll realize, hey, that's my suit coat over there. That's my, that's my old fur coat over there. I thought for sure that was a bear that just somehow opened the door, got in my room, and come all the way, opened up three doors, matter of fact. I didn't hear nothing, but all of a sudden, that big woolly bear, no, it's my coat. Why do you know that? Because the light started coming on. As the daylight began to break, it began to reveal what was around you. Amen. The world doesn't know at what they stumble at. But you know, because there's light. When you stumble over something, you know, oh, I didn't mean to make that mistake. I didn't mean to make that. Why can you say that? Because you got light to see what it was. They don't have that. So they think, well... Everybody's going to make it to heaven. They can be sinners. They can be this. They can be that. Long as they love Jesus and they pull that covering over. It's darkness. And this world is getting darker. I know in our flesh, we want it to get better. It would be better if gas was cheaper. It would be better if milk was cheaper. And it's all about er. <laughs> it's all about this. God's not worried about your milk being cheap. 
He's not worried about your gas being cheap. He's not worried about any of that. What he's concentrating on and the angel is looking at this morning is what we read. I have sent my angel before thee to keep thee. So it doesn't matter if it's high or if it's low, if it's good or if it's bad, I'm going to keep you. It doesn't matter if I'm having a, you're having a good day or a bad day or up or down or your valley or mountain, this, that, and the other. I'm going to keep you. And not only am I keeping you, I'm bringing you. I am, I am the one. If you look back, there's not two sets of footprints. There's one set of footprints because I'm carrying you. You are my desire. You are what I, I'm longing for. You, you are, all, you are the, 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 the capsulation or the capstone of everything that's been done for 6,000 years. And you think I'm going to let it come to this moment and lose you? Oh, God. I'm not going to lose you, little bride. I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to keep you. And I'm going to bring you to a prepared place. Hallelujah. And if there wasn't enough devils to stop them from going over there, there's not enough devils to stop you. Because the same pillar of fire that led them is leading you this morning. You are not alone. You are not by yourself. God is with you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? It's the light. It's guiding you. It's the light that's leading you. You are not doing this alone. So, Brother Timothy, nobody calls, nobody cares about. You are not alone. It does not matter if anybody ever calls or anybody ever checks on you. Understand what I'm saying? What I'm trying to get to you is you are not alone. He's with you. And that's all that matters. Matthew 2 and verse 1 says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. So what brought them to that worship? A light. It was a guide. The brother would talk about it like this. He'd say, this is a wonderful sermon. Might be a good thing to go listen to during this season that we're coming to. This is a time of seasons we focus our thinking towards Christmas. He said, it's too bad we have a lot of the myth called Santa Claus instead of the real Christmas that it was supposed to be. Many children of the land today know more, nothing more than Christmas means and a slate full of toys and some mystic reindeer pouncing on the house and only later learn that this is a myth to even hurt their faith. He said, when it comes to know the true Christmas story, that it had nothing to do with reindeers or a man smoking a pipe and a fur coat around, fur around his coat, but it was about the birth of our blessed Lord Jesus And it's most unusual to see how God worked in this manner because no other time would it have ever worked in all the history of the world. 
Did you hear that? There was no other time that the birth would have worked like this than all the history of the world. So the guide knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly the times and the moments and the seasons and the right, direct time. It was a time that when Herod was a murderer was king. It had to be. This heartless man had to be king and on the throne. So we're acquainted with scriptures how he slew all the children from two-year-old down trying to kill the Christ. It had to be just at that time. Then there had to be at that time, there had to be a raise in taxation. Do you notice similarities that take place? At every exodus, there was the killing of the, of the children. At every exodus, there was an increase of burdens. You go make bricks without straw. There's a taxation. I need all of y'all. I don't care who you are. Go to your home cities. So it wasn't an easy thing. They didn't have a GMC truck to jump in with air conditioning and go down the road in a few minutes and be there. Israel's not that big. Just there, not too many years ago. And you could be on one end to the other and just seem like maybe an hour, an hour and a half. It's not that big. But on a donkey, it's real big. I was in a bus and I had a guide. He knew the dangers. He knew the situations. He knew where you were supposed to be and where you wasn't supposed to be. He had a connection that I didn't have. Because there were places that we thought, you know, that was, that was on the program. And we was going to go down the mountain where they found Mount Sinai now. And they found the encampments. They found stuff around it. And, and you know, over there, there's all kinds of things over there that, that, that the Catholic Church camped on and said this is that and this is that. Some of it may be true. Some of it may not be. But there are certain places that are true. And, you know, and, and they did a good thing in some sense because it wasn't destroyed. They kept it. So, I mean, God used it. But, you know, they would, they would say, well, this is where it was, the baptism took place of, of Jesus. And it was, it was actually miles and miles away from where it actually took place or where the crossing of the Jordan River. Because the Bible is a GPS. Our, our brother that went with us, the, the, the guide he, as well, he said, the Bible is always true. And he actually took the Bible and found where the city, what city was that? It was by Jericho. Can't think of it right off, but he found that city and he found right there where the crossing would have took place. They actually had a celebration. Israel took and made a celebration, invited him up and everything because of what he had found because he used the Bible to show him where it was at. That's amazing, ain't it? Well, anyway, you know, we thought we was going to go to Mount Sinai. We actually sat down as a group and debated this, that, and the other and decided, you know, there was maybe dangers. It was right down the Egyptian border, and we had to get permission of the soldiers. We had to get this, that, and the other. And, you know, during the night, I went to bed that night thinking I was going to get on the bus the next morning, and I'm headed straight down to Mount Sinai. And I woke up the next morning. I got my stuff together. Me and Sister Ruth, we put it on the bus. We got up in our seat, and we're ready to go to Mount Sinai. And the guide gets on and said, well, we're not going to Mount Sinai. He said, there's dangers down there that come up and we not, we not got permission. He had connections that I, I didn't get a phone call that night. I didn't get a text message that night. But apparently somewhere between our meeting and the next morning on the bus, he had got information. It wasn't safe to go down that way no more. 
And you know what? I didn't sit there and say, Mr. God, I want to go that way. Mr. God, I'm determined to go that way. No, I felt like I could trust him. He had been there before. He knew the, all the dynamics that was going on around that country. He had connections. He had been there. He had seen it. He had taken people safely before, but this was not a safe time to go. So if it wasn't a safe time to go, I didn't want to go. And I was going to trust the God. But we find similarities. If you look, death of babies, higher increases. People in leadership that doesn't know God. First, second, third exodus. The guide is trying to show us something. Let's don't get our eyes off the guide. He said they had to be registered. Their birth was on record of the courts and the temple, and they had to be taxed. He said, but really, what was this all about? There was a word spoken that said he had to be born in Bethlehem. So God was going to use whatever methods he had to use that God was going to pull whatever strings he had to pull to make his word be fulfilled. And all of what we're seeing, amen, listen, Russia and this place and the U.S. and all that's going on, the God is in control. Don't get your eyes off of what's really going on. We get our eyes on politics and this, that, and the other. The Republicans has got this and the Democrats has got that. And God's got it. Amen. Brother Van would say, he said, politics. He said, I don't care what side it is. It's all of the devil. And so who's got the devil in his control? Who made him? Is the creation more powerful than the creator? He's pulling the strings. He's getting the right person in the place to do what it takes to fulfill his word. The God has got this. We ought to be at a rest this morning because we saw how he brought it all to pass in the first Exodus, and now we're looking how he's bringing it to pass in the second Exodus. And it all worked. Hello? Not one of his words went unfulfilled. They all, everything that spoke of that time was fulfilled. Some of it was fulfilled in the last few minutes on the cross, but it was fulfilled. All the words spoke about this exodus will be fulfilled. It might be fulfilled in the last few moments. So notice, they didn't have a nice, great, fine, plush ambulance to take Mary there. They didn't have that. But it was the king's orders. No excuses was good enough. It must be fulfilled. The king said, no matter her conditions, and she wasn't in the greatest condition. She was right at the time of giving birth. Any husband in here knows 
If you ever want to get your wife on a donkey, that ain't the time. It's uncomfortable in a good car. It seemed like, God, why are you putting us through this heartache? Why am I going through this? So his word can be fulfilled. So his word can be fulfilled. Why am I on this donkey going across this wilderness? Why? There's robbers. There's this. There's all kind of dangers. There's every kind of thing around me. Why am I going? So his word can be fulfilled. Why are we still here? So his word can be fulfilled. Why am I going through what I'm going through? So his word can be fulfilled. He's the God. Mary expecting any time, sitting on the back of a donkey. If anybody ever rode a donkey, it's a rough ride. Little fella along a narrow trail winding over the mountains. Listen, it was a rough ride many times in a good and plush bus. But over these little narrow trails, winds blowing, dust blowing, rough, rugged road, robbers taking goods, slaying people. What a thing it was for this young married couple that they had to face. God, why are they having to go through that? That his word might be fulfilled. Also, what is some wild beast would destroy them? Took that little party in an instant with some wild beast. Joseph didn't have nothing but a stick. His wife could hardly move. But they had to face it. He said, but that gives us consolation to know this, that we do not hold our destiny. God holds our destiny. And he has ordained it to be so. And there is nothing that will ever interrupt the program of God. That gives me something to shout about. Because cancer cannot interrupt it. Every kind of disease will not interrupt it. Any kind of sin will not interrupt it. Family issues will not interrupt it. But his word will be fulfilled. He said, oh, we see this dark enveloping of time but God's great hand his God is moving steadily on and nothing everybody say nothing nothing shall stop it hallelujah he said I can see as they make that one last curve and they find them a good spot to maybe lay down a little bit And he said, I see Joseph get the little mats together. And he said, I see him try to find a few sticks to build a fire. And they're looking over the hillside. And they can kind of see Bethlehem over across there, maybe a few lights. He said, but all of a sudden, as he's laying that mat down, he said, I see him look up a little higher. And yes, I see the stars start twinkling. (laughs) And they start twinkling a little bit and brightening up. And they begin to shine. He said, what was taking place? God, light, his great shining light was beginning to shine out. Because he knew that two years down the road, he would be a little child in the house. 
And there would be some men that would come with gifts. And there had to be something that would draw them to that place. And he said, why? Listen to the prophet of God. He said, why would they know that that light meant something? He said, because years before that, Daniel was exiled down into that place. And his life began to have such a testimony of a living God. And he left behind scrolls and he showed them what a really living God was all about. That's why Daniel had to go through the lion's den. That's why the three who tribute children had to go through the fire. So God could fulfill his word. It blows your mind when you think about all that God had to do to get. He said, now, he said, scripture doesn't say it. But he said, we look at it and we believe that three came because it was three gifts. And he said, normally they traveled in about three or four. He said, so we'll say three. He said, but to put all of that together, that they would have something in their heart, that they were looking for a sign. He said, because Daniel had spoken to them and he had told them that in the last days, the people that know their God shall do exploits. He had left them words and they had been studying those words. They had been looking at those words and they had been diligently studying the bodies of the stars and watching for the sign. He said, if Christians would only do that, not just watch the stars, but watch God's word as it's unfolding. If we would only notice it today and see how God has promised in this day the things that we so gallantly stand for. God has promised to do the same, and he's doing them. He's healing the sick. He's doing great miracles. And the same Daniel that taught them of them events is the same God today that spoke through Daniel and said in the last days, the people that know their God shall do exploits. So if God could design it to where three wise men down hundreds of years later would still be looking for a star and he would put a word down there that hundreds of years there was still something pricking on them and looking and hanging and wondering when is it going to take place? And all of a sudden he said, I can see one of them as he took that little scroll up to that watchtower and he laid it out and he looked up and up there became came a great shining light as them stars moved together. He said, I can see him become spellbound. That's the word Brother Branham used. He used it several times. He said, spellbound. As he just watched it. He said, I've waited for it. I've longed for it. But here it is. Here it is right here. I've waited for it. I've longed for it. I've looked for it. And here it is. Here it is. Here it is. And he said he got so excited, he rolled his little scroll up and he took off down them stairs, down to his buddy's house and he knocked on the door. He said, it's here. It's here. It's here. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. He said, oh, today, if I could just get you to realize he's here. That same light is here. Here he is. He's among us. He's healing us. He's delivering us. Oh God, is there somebody that's spellbound by his presence? 
that has caught their attention and they're not paying attention to nothing else. He's here. He said, even notice God reveals himself to those who are searching and longing to see him. Draw nigh unto me and I'll draw nigh unto you. He said, but what was going on? He said, why? Why did they catch it when it happened? He said, because I can see them. Mind, let me back up a little bit. He said, I can see them. He said, they were in a spiritual attitude. They were looking for something. He said, they must have been singing some hymns or praying. But whatever, however, they must have been in a spiritual attitude to receive it. Oh my, there's so many good things here. He said, they watched the heavenly lights, but this light was different than the rest of them. And he said, today we've watched Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian lights. But to those who look for him, there seems to be a different light that's shining, that's declaring him. That's saying he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he is with us. That he is moving. That he is moving among us. He said, oh, they, they, as they stood there spellbound, one could not speak to the other for the glory of this light had spellbound them. He said, how is the day, my poor decrepit friend, that when the man who has never known his power, that when man who has never known his power to give new light, new hope, when he walks into the presence of the divine person of Christ with the faith that hope Holds him spellbound to his majesty. It isn't like walking to the altar and giving the minister just another handshake, but you're walking into the light that you've never witnessed before and it puts new life in you. It gives hope to those that are dying. It gives courage to the weak. It gives healing to the sick. It gives blessing to the unfavored. How wonderful it is to step into the light of his presence. It's not a myth, friends. It's the truth. Another place, he said, those magi stood spellbound as they watched that light. God was moving among them. He said, it's only for those who look for him that'll see him. If you're not looking for him in this service, you won't see him. But if you are, you will. Hallelujah. It's only those who believe in him shall enjoy his blessings. It's only those who believe in healing that shall receive healing. It's only those who believe in salvation that obtain it. It's only those who believe all things that are possible that'll see all things are possible. We know the stories. They would come and they would, I ain't got time to go into it all, but they would come and they would find themselves in Jerusalem and when they went into to Jerusalem and went before Herod he said the light left them he said but when they came back out the light was still there 
Hallelujah. You may have found yourself off the beaten path this morning, but if you'll just come back out, the light's still there. The light's still giving a testimony that the king is among us. Amen. We could go into the gold and all the things that they gave him. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But I want to get to something. Brother Brandon would bring it down. He says, you are a star. I always wanted to be a star. You are a star. Every Christian is a star to guide the lost. To guide the weary, the foot of the traveler, to those who are seeking. Then the star cannot be guided by itself. It must be led by the Spirit. It must reflect the brilliancy of God in its life to obtain, to abstain from those things of the world, to live godly and soberly in this present life. It must reflect the light of the great one that has shined among us. What are we to do then? To rise and shine the light of God to the dying world. It's in depth darkness of the world. We are to reflect and shine the presence of the Lord Jesus in his resurrecting power as he is yesterday. So he is today. And so he will be tomorrow. That's what God wants. He wants a church that'll shine out and say, God's still the same. He still heals. He still saves. He still delivers. He still sets free. He still does the impossible. He's still God. This light is going to keep shining. Skipping through all kinds of stuff because I got to get down to the moments of closing. These wise men saw that the word of God said a star would rise out of Jacob. They followed that little God-given token to the source of eternal light. So will wise men today, who's not blinded by creeds, they will follow the God-given spoken word till they see the fullness of the power of God blooming in this hour. No matter how many observatories, how many other things told the wise men while you're out of your mind, two years they was in travel. They passed by many nations and they'd ask, where are you going? We've seen his star and we're going to worship him. When they lined up in Jerusalem, the denominational headquarters, they didn't have the answer. They went up and down the streets crying, where is he? Born king of the Jews, they know nothing about it. They called on the word to find out. They had followed. Know that the star was leading them to that eternal light. Guide us to that perfect light. And the word is what guides you to the light. And the light is what makes the word vindicated. Notice, they were wise men. Do we have any wise men among us today? And wise men today... All the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. All your scientists, all your people depending on some great scholarship or something or another telling you how to split an atom, that won't give you life. That'll give you death. 
There's nothing can take you to life but the spoken word of God. It's only where the life can come is through a spoken word. How? Know how to split an atom? I wish they'd never found out how. Because it's going to burst this world up into pieces. He said, well, the, the righteous will walk out on the dust of the wicked where sin will be forgotten. Everything has a way of renewing itself. And man who's given to life on this earth by his wisdom, taking the tree of knowledge instead of the tree of life, he'll destroy the earth that God has given him to live on. But those who are still on the tree of life shall come to the new heavens and the new earth where there's no sickness, where there's no death. There's nothing but light, 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 light. There's no darkness no more. What a day that's going to be. It was the angels of God that showed light upon a hill to some shepherds to guide them to eternal light. See, it only comes by light. Life can only come by light. So if you don't have the light, you don't have the life. Well, I got the word. Well, the light follows the word, and the word follows the light. They go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Amen. Because the light is to lead you into all truth. Well, you say, well, I got the Bible. Well, so have they had it for 2,000 years or however many years it has been. They've had scrolls, but then they finally printed it, what, three or 400, 600 years ago. So the Bible, they had the Bible for 600 years, but they still believed in three gods. They still had the wrong baptism. They still never saw the, the trail of the serpent. Why? Because there wasn't enough light. But when light began to shine, the light of this world began to shine upon this word. Out of it, it began to open the seals. Began to show who all the horses were. Showed who all the spirits of God were and how they were working. Oh, well, there the trail of the serpent is. Let's follow him. See him go right down to the garden, all the way down. See him move all the way through Esau and Cain and Esau. And look, look at his trail all the way down, all the way down to Jude. And he says, Cain, who was of that wicked one? What? What happened? Light shining. They had read that for years. What was shining to show that there was a two-year-old little boy was a light. There was many other maybe two-year-old little boys. A lot of them got killed. Why was he there? Because there was a light that came to his the father Joseph said, get up and go to Egypt. And it guided him to Egypt. And it stayed there for two years, and it guided him right back. This guy's been in business a long time. Now, I want you to understand something. When I want to go catch me a good fish, and I don't know how to fish there, I don't want just any guide. I want one that knows how to catch fish. We, me and Brother Tim took a trip here back in May, and we was over in the mountains there in British Columbia, in Revelstoke. Brother Sam Ray and his wife had, had, had just kind of poured some blessings upon us and gave us a little spot to stay. And, 
and they, they've set us up a guide. And listen, Sister Rebecca had searched it out. She told me, she said, I want you to have a good spot, and I want you to have a good guide. He said, because I want you to catch fish. I don't want you to just have a good time. I want you to catch fish. So I searched him out, and I looked at reviews, and I looked at the, I found somebody that knew what they were doing. And listen, it was a hard day of fishing. It wasn't, but there was many that pulled up that dock, and they didn't have no fish on their boat. But we did. And it wasn't because I knew what lure to use. It wasn't because I knew what depth it had to go. It was fishing like I had never done before. I never used the things, the equipment that he had used. I never, but he had. And he told me, he said, you know, people think this is a big, easy job and you just kick back and relax. He said, I can't tell you how many hours I spend spending my own gas and spending my own time trying to find these fish and trying to find what they're eating, what they're biting, where they're at, what's going on. He said, because I want my customers not to just come out and enjoy the mountains and enjoy the scenery. I want them to catch fish because that's what I'm a guy. I ain't a guy to show them the water. I ain't a guy to show them all the scenery around them. I am a guy to show them where the fish are at. Hallelujah. He was a God that knew what he was doing. Hallelujah. You don't want to depend on something that hasn't been proven. Amen. You say, well, I'm going to depend on myself. Self is not proven. What it's proven to do is to die and to go down to hell. But there is a God. There is a light that can guide you into eternal life. He knows what he's going. He's got a place prepared. He's been there working on it. And when you didn't see him working, he was still working. When you didn't see him moving, he was still moving. Hallelujah. This God knows what he's doing. You can trust Jesus. Hallelujah. He'll not leave you in the darkness. He'll not leave you in your sickness. He'll not leave you in your trouble. But he'll just grab a hold of your hand and say, come on, child. We're going through this thing. Hallelujah. There is a God who can handle every situation. He's battle tested. Hallelujah. We can just stand. The angels were lights that showed what the word of God was doing. Today in the city of David and Bethlehem was born Christ the Savior. The angels had the word, but the word came by light to God. They followed the words of the angel to eternal light, and they found a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth. And they had said, for you shall see, life only comes by light. Hallelujah. We could go all through the scriptures. But I'll bring it down to this last moment. The God guided us down through life. You say, well, we're in a dark place, Brother Timothy. Well, the God knows where the light is. I'm in a dark spot. Trust the God. He knows where the switch is at. (laughs) Oh, my. 
As you can see, we're going past tons of stuff. But Brad will talk about it, and we've went through this story before. But in Carlsbad, New Mexico, was a little girl and little brother down in a hole looking at some caverns. All of a sudden, they shut the, was going to shut the lights down. He said, before it happened, he said, the little brother caught a glimpse of the guide standing over there by the switch. And he said, the lights went off. He said, how did this boy know what was happening? He said, because he was watching the guide. And it got dark. It got so dark you couldn't see. And the little girl began to scream. Scream to the top of her lungs. Help! It's dark! The little boy put his arm around his little sister and said, Oh, little sister. She said, What, brother? Don't be scared. There's a man here that can turn on the lights. <laughs> Maybe if I'm screaming out, it's dark. It seems impossible. How am I going to get out of this situation? How am I going to move past where I'm at? I can't see my way out. I can't see it. I'm stumbling. What am I going to do, Brother Timothy? Let me just put my arm around you this morning. Let me just put my arm around you and say, my little sister, my little brother, don't worry. There's a man here. Oh, hallelujah. It ain't Brother Joe. It ain't Brother Aaron. It ain't Brother Tim. It ain't me. There's a man here. That man is Christ Jesus. He's the God, and he's here to turn on the light. He knows how to flip the switch. Or can we say it like this, flip the script? You can be one moment walking in darkness and walk, and next moment walking in light. You can be coming this morning with depression and the man flipped the switch and you can walk out singing and shout the praises of Almighty God. Hallelujah. You can walk out of here with every kind of suicide spirit laying upon you and the next moment the, flip, the switch is flipped. It says, devil, get your hand off of my child. And light begin to shine and expose him. There is a man that can turn on any light. He's Jehovah Jireh. There's a man, the Holy Spirit. He can turn on all the lights. He is the Word. A man that can turn on the lights. I don't know how he'll do it. It's not for me to know how he's going to do it. I know that he's going to turn it on. Hallelujah. Well, how's it going to turn it from this dark day of Laodicea into a brand new life, into a rapture, into a moment? I don't know how. But one day, the children of Israel woke up slaves, and by that evening, they were walking out carrying the loads of Egypt. And they were walking out shouting the victory. I know one day they were standing by the Red Sea. And the next moment, there was a gap miles wide that they could walk across 5,000 wide. I know if he did it then, he can do it now. Hallelujah. I don't know. I know one day there was a man that was down on the lion's den. And the lions were trying, but a man flipped a switch. And there was light. 
and them lions didn't look at him as a devoured, to be devoured no more. They looked at Daniel as a place of comfort. It was um, three men that were in a fire. And God flipped the switch. And the fire that was meant to destroy them, they were standing around walking and talking. Somebody flipped the switch. How many ever stuck their hand or been burnt by fire? It hurts. We're not talking about a little campfire here. We're talking about a consuming fire. Heated up seven times hotter to try to destroy them. And the next thing you know, they got their hands in their pockets or they got their hands raised, whatever. And they're fellowshipping with a fourth man. There's a man who knows how to flip that switch. Follow the guide. He's got the switch. Keep your eye on him. Watch for him. He's moving. He has sent his angel before us. There is an angel that accompanied the first exodus. There was an angel that accompanied the second exodus. There there is an angel that accompanies the third exodus. And the angel don't quit till his family is safe. Till the word is fulfilled. He's not gone somewhere. He's among us. He's walking among us. He's talking. And he says, I'm going to go before you. And I'm going to keep you. How many many needs to be kept? And I'm going to bring you. How many needs to be brought? To a prepared place. Do you know what a prepared place is? It's a place prepared. So therefore, he knows what you like. He knows exactly how to please you. He knows what satisfies you. He knows what makes you happy. Therefore, he has prepared it for your pleasure, for your good. And he's going to bring you there. I love this story. Seen this, somebody told me, seen it. I don't remember. It seemed like I saw it. T shirt. I've said this before, but it goes real good right here. This old wimpy looking sheep. Scrawny. Looked like nothing. You know, he's walking on his back feet as a cartoon, so bear with me. And he had his whole head, his one foot up here, his little cloven hoof, but it was wrapped around his hand. In this hand, you looked, it was Jesus. But over in this ditch with this old toothless lion, and he's howling, and he's growling, and he's threatening, and he's saying, I want to get you. And this old dorky sheep is looking at that old toothless lion, and he says a few words back to him I'm with him. You need to remind the devil who you're with. You need to remind the devil whose you are. You might be feel like a dorky, wimpy sheep, but you're with him. So what's the devil? What can the devil do to you if you're with the most powerful champion of champions, God of gods, Lord of lords, undefeated, 
undefeatable. <laughs> able, more than able, to carry you through. Where's our hope today? It's in Him. He's the God. Let's bow our heads. Can you trust Him today? Can you trust Him? I wonder how many to be honest and just say, Lord, I've been looking at the darkness. I want to turn my eyes to the light. I want to trust you more than ever. Trust you. Though no matter what happens, what goes on, trust you. Lord, give me the realization that no matter what I'm in, you're able. You're a doctor. You're a lawyer. You're the judge. You are the final say. I can trust Jesus. Don't you just feel the peace of God? Why don't you just make that audible to him? I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I trust you. You got me. You got this. You're able. Father, Lord, us as humans, we try to take things in our own hands and we make a mess out of things. God, we can find ourselves making wrong choices, making the mess not out of our, just ourselves, but our family, discouragement. Oh, God, why are we in the place where we're at? Because we haven't trusted you. Lord, may trust come into our hearts like never before. Lord, the way may get hard. It may get difficult. But your word will be fulfilled. There will not one dot, one tittle fall to the ground. Nothing, Lord. We can trust you, Lord, because we've seen you through the scriptures. We've seen you in the first exodus. They came through. Those who put their trust in you, They made it through. Lord, in the second exodus, they made it through. And in the third, I'm going through, Jesus. I'm going through. I'm going to trust you. Father, you've seen the hands that were lifted all over this building. Lord, we can trust you in our sickness. We can trust you in our trials. We can trust you in death. We can trust you in every situation. Lord, we may not have the answers for it all, but we know the answer. We love you, Jesus. And Lord, truly, we can see the blessings of your presence all around us. Oh, God, may we never deny those blessings. 
God, never deny, Lord, that you're among us, that you're moving, that you're touching. And God, if we get bitterness in our hearts, let us forgive and trust you. Lord, if we get anger in our minds and our self and our being, Lord, God, may we trust you. And our flesh tries to rise up. God, may we just move back and trust you. Grant it, Jesus, we pray. Forgive us, Lord, of times, Lord, of not trusting, not believing. Lord, we allowed our own thinking, our own thoughts, what we thought was best, what we thought was great, what we thought was right, took preeminence over the Word of God. Forgive us, we pray. We love you now in Jesus' name.